time for Conversations with MIT Medical. Care for the community. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Contraceptives and condoms can help protect you against pregnancy and sexually transmitted infections. MIT Medical offers a wide variety of birth control options to fit your needs and offers counseling and insurance options to help you make the right choices. Welcome to Conversations with MIT Medical. I'm Melanie Cole, and we're discussing birth control options at MIT Medical. Please introduce yourself. Hi, Melanie. Thanks so much for having us on today. My name is Audrey Novchich, and I'm one of the family nurse practitioners in primary care at MIT. My name is Vinny Anand. Family nurse practitioner is working at primary care at MIT Medical, and I'm excited to be part of this conversation. Hi, I'm Allie Sherwood. I'm a family nurse practitioner, primary care provider here and also really happy to be here for this conversation for all of you. Well, I love it too, because it's such an important topic that we're discussing today. Because, you know, the landscape for contraception has really changed so much over the years. So, Audrey, starting with you, tell us what forms of birth control are available through MIT Medical and some of the new contraceptive options available right now that people may not have heard of. Yeah, so we've got three categories that we typically talk about when we talk about birth control. The first category being progestin-based birth controls, and that includes IUDs, the next one on rod that goes under the arm, and the depo injection. And then the next category is a combined hormone method, which is birth control pills, birth control patches, birth control rings. And then you've got non-hormonal birth control methods, which includes Paragard IUD, and then condoms that we keep in the lobby and all of the patient rooms. And then we also offer emergency contraception like Plan B, Ella, and either the Marina or Copper IUD. Well, that's a very comprehensive list. And as I said, there are so many new options today rather than when I was a young woman. So, Vinny, what's covered by the student health plan? Which forms require prescriptions and which don't? The great part is that since the ACA mandate, there is no copay for any birth control prescription covered under your insurance. All generic forms are covered. This includes pills, rings, IUDs, next pronouns. So any birth control method other than emergency contraceptives needs a prescription. So two different plans for students, mainly extended versus basic, or the other parent plan would be added part of the basic. So the Affordable Care Act requires all insurance to have some free options for birth control methods. Not every prescription will be zero copies, but all generic forms are free for the extended plans. And basic plan, pretty much, there is no medication coverage. Only vaccines are covered, but we will need to use that other plan, which is oftentimes the panel plan, for the coverage. All international students will be on extended plan. And as long as you get a prescription from a provider, most of these things are going to be covered with no copies. Specific contraceptive options probably not going to be free. For example, some methods may require a prior authorization. So if you're going for a brand such as Lolo Estrin, which is where there is no generic form available and a person really wants that, which is a usually expensive prescription, might not be all free. Emergency contraception, both Plan B and ELLA are zero co-pays through insurance if a prescription is written. That being said, if you're getting a plan B without a prescription, that might cost you. This price may vary for different pharmacies. The easiest way to find out 
the coverage would be from the insurance website or by calling the insurance when it comes to coverage for a specific brand that you want. Some examples of covered services include barrier methods like diaphragms and internal condoms, hormonal methods like birth control pills, patches and vaginal rings, implanted devices like IUDs, emergency contraception like I said, Plan B or ELA, sterilization procedures, patient education and counseling. Well, thank you so much, Vinny, for talking about that. Now, Audrey, of course, each individual's birth control choices are based on their specific circumstances and their needs. Can you give us a little bit of some talking points? How do you start the conversation with your obstetrician gynecologist or your primary care provider, your family nurse practitioner? How do you start that conversation? What do you want people to know? when they're looking for contraception. Yeah, so we like to bring people two options, either into the office to have a face-to-face visit or on telehealth. So we can talk to you either by phone or by video and just sit down and get an idea about what your ideas and goals are coming into this. Different people have different end goals for contraceptive management. So we like to sit down, talk to each patient about their menstrual cycle, the flow, the duration, long-term goals, and also find out because we usually find that patients have talked to family and friends you know, what methods they already have an idea that they might like. And then we can walk people through why some of those methods would work well based on their end goal and what would work better for them based on all the options that we have. Allie, when these counseling sessions and even the televisits are happening, do you counsel your patients on the fact that they don't protect against sexually transmitted infections when they're looking for contraception? Is that part of the discussion? Thanks, Melanie. Really important point to outline. And absolutely, we make sure that we outline that this, of course, is a method for contraception, so helping to prevent getting pregnant, but that we really encourage additional methods for protection, such as condoms, to prevent STI protection. We often will pair things like STI screening and conversations around learning about STIs with these contraception visits. And thank you for the question. Oh, yes. Well, these are all important questions that I would ask myself, and so, Vinny, if a student is covered as a dependent on someone else's health insurance, will that person be notified if the student gets a prescription for birth control? How does that work in the privacy practice? So it's low to get confidential birth control services. We have the plans. There are two different plans for students, extended versus basic or other, where there would be like a parental plan or supplemental insurance added to the basic So all international students will be on extended plan. So it will be themselves like who would get the explanation of benefits. So if you are under a basic plan and there is a chance to get the explanation of benefits to the subscriber, what you would need to do is to contact the number of the insurance plan to change your address to your address and call the insurance to do this so that you will get an explanation of benefits information instead of the subscriber. Well, along those same lines then, Vinny, what medical clearance is needed? Why does someone need to see someone for maintenance on some of the forms? And you were discussing referral before. Tell us a little bit about how that part works. Like Adri mentioned before, we always use an individualist approach when it comes to prescription of birth control because there is no universal or ideal birth control that would be for everyone. A perfect way can be varied drastically from person to person based on preferences, medical history, the reason to be on birth control, etc. This makes it essential to have an initial consult to find the appropriate method for an individual. 
then the follow-up visits. So these follow-up visits can be considered for the following situations, such as to assess the patient's satisfaction with their current method and whether they have any concerns about the method. Sometimes it could be to measure the blood pressure, for example, if they are on estrogen-containing or combined contraceptive methods, we would like to get the blood pressures measured. In some situations, it could be to assess any changes in health status, including medications that would change the method's appropriateness for safe and effective continued use based on the U.S. medical eligibility criteria, which we use to prescribe a method initially. And then also assess the weight changes and counseling patients concerned about their weight change, which could be perceived to be associated with their contraceptive method. And one last but not least, an examination to check for the presence of IUD strengths could be through a follow-up visit. This is such important information. And Ali, talk about the importance of being inclusive in your discussions of birth control and ensuring that the available options can meet the needs of a community with diverse expressions of gender and sexuality. And I think the bottom line, we really want folks to know and trust that we at MIT Medical are each well-trained in having conversations with folks across the gender and sexuality spectrum. We intend to use non-gender language around methods as we recognize the wide array of desires around these methods. And we take an individualized approach, like Vinny was mentioning, to taking a sexual health history. And we realize that can be very individual for certain folks. And so we like to tailor our services towards what people are looking for. And this may mean things like, for example, during your exam or your procedure, you prefer us not to use anatomical terms that could create gender dysphoria. And please know that that's all possible. For our folks across the gender spectrum desiring gender-affirming care, for example, such as those folks who wish to suppress their menses, often using a method such as some of the above-mentioned methods that Audrey was mentioning in the beginning with IUDs or the depot shot, they can be really helpful ways to manage dysphoria, which can happen frequently around the menses for folks. Well, Allie, along those lines then, there are other reasons to be on hormone treatments just beside birth control, yes? Absolutely. You know, some additional reasons folks can consider hormone treatments would be to help manage their heavy or their painful menses, or again, like I mentioned, if they have dysphoria around their menses. A lot of folks desire mild or no menstrual cycles for folks like our athletes, for those who have underlying health issues, the folks who have pain, such as with rheumatologic pain or menstrual migraines. Often if we can suppress the menses, we can really help with their other conditions as well. We often find that some of these methods can work well for patients who have comorbid anxiety and depression and mood disorders that can come along their cycles. And also really can be helpful around managing acne as well. So these are some of the reasons why we'll often put folks on methods in addition to the contraceptive benefit. So much information we're packing into one little podcast. And Audrey, I'd like it if you gave us sort of a brief overview. I imagine that people come to you with all of these questions, some of which we're getting to today, but there are still so many more. Which methods of contraception do you personally think and have you seen cause the most confusion among your patients? And when you're talking to them about the risks and complications, their concerns, what do they ask you? What do they want to know? I think people always come to us with birth control in mind that they want. And then, especially for things like the IUDs, I find that a lot of people are really excited about a non-hormonal form of birth control. And then we have to kind of dissect that a little bit and, and ask them how much they're already bleeding and find out kind of what that cycle already looks like and if that is a reasonable option for them. So I think a lot of people come in with an idea of what they want. And then if we can have a really honest and frank conversation about 
menstrual cycles, sexual partners, like that kind of thing, and, and what the end goals are, then we can eliminate some of that confusion. You'll also find that most of our patients talk to their family and friends, so they come in sometimes a little bit of bias about wanting or not wanting some form of birth control. So the IUDs probably come with the most question marks because it is implanted in the next one on. So those, I think, come with a little bit more hesitation and question marks versus something that's a little bit easier to use, like a birth control pill. It's kind of on your own terms. You can take the ring out, put a patch on, take it off. So I think those come with a little bit less hesitation than devices. I'd like to give you each a chance for a final thought and question that I have because I really still have so many, but we've gotten to so much great information today. And Vinny, what about birth control for men? Condoms, vasectomies, any of these kinds of discussions? You guys mentioned that you do keep condoms in the building there and those are available for free. Can you tell us a little bit about those discussions with men? So we keep the condoms in the building. We actually have it in the patient rooms as well as in the lobby so that there are no barriers. Students can come and grab and go so they don't need to see a provider. They don't really need to meet with anyone and asking for it so their access is flawless. We also kind of remind everyone, not just the birth control, the STI protection one can get from condoms as well. So that's another plus point with using the condoms either with other birth control methods or just like as a barrier. And the vasectomies are also a good option for someone who really have a clear understanding about their future and how they want to proceed with that. We do not have the providers who would perform this procedure at MIT Medical, but we actually refer to outside providers. So we have a really good group of providers whom we work with. So anyone who comes and interested in vasectomy would counsel them about the pros and cons. They would really need to go through that counseling to understand what are the risks and benefits associated with it. So it's a really great method for someone who really want to achieve that permanent sterilization. Great method. It's a pretty safe procedure, does not include too many complications. On the other side, the reversibility of the procedure is pretty dim. So if it is someone who is on both ends of whether they are not sure about it, I would ask them to go through the counseling and make sure first. And once they make up their mind, it's pretty flawless. We would refer them to a provider who would do the procedure. It's all covered through the insurance and they can get it done pretty smoothly. Allie, what's a good way to reach out to MIT Medical and the best way if somebody is interested in emergency contraception, what's the best way for people to reach you? We intend to make getting emergency contraception as easy as possible. Emergency contraception, as Vinny was mentioning, it's available and effective if taken within five days of unprotected intercourse. And just a reminder, unprotected intercourse would be if you're having intercourse without a condom or your birth control method was not in place or was not taken correctly. So we offer these calls all the time and we field these. Our triage nurses are very well trained to take these calls to kind of talk through a different patient's scenario. So that's during business hours of our primary care services. And then also our urgent care providers are very well trained to have these conversations about emergency contraception. Uh, and their hours extend till eight at night and then also open on the weekends, 10 to so. We find that with this pretty good availability that stretches throughout the week that we're able to be here for our students and our staff and, and our MIT population that really needs us at a time that can be quite difficult. Audrey, last word to you. Tell us how you have that discussion and what's the most important piece of advice. What would you like listeners to know about birth control options at MIT Medical? Really, what you want them to know? 
I think the biggest thing is planning on coming in and having a really honest, really frank conversation with us. We are very open to understanding. We're going to ask you a lot of personal questions. So come in knowing that we're going to ask you about sexual partners, how many sexual partners in your lifetime, how often your menstrual cycle comes, how many days you're bleeding, are you cramping? Like it's all very specific questions. We need you to be as honest with us as possible so that we can get the best birth control in place for you. If we're just trying to regulate a menstrual cycle, if you can't remember to take pills, if you're really busy in labs. So I think just planning on coming in and having a really open, honest conversation with us, telling us what you like, what you don't like, and then you can walk away from it knowing that you may take time to think about it. We're going to give you some information to take home, to look over. You don't have to be put on the spot. And if you don't like the birth control method that we start with, we can change it up after a couple of months. So it's all this work in progress for you. And we're all just trying to make sure that you walk away feeling empowered and in control of the birth control option that you chose and that you're happy with it. So I think for all of us, it's a wonderful group of providers that are all open and listening and just trying to make sure that we create the best environment for the patient to be honest and tell us what they want. I love that you used the word empowered and in control when discussing the best birth control options for each individual. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining us today. What an informative podcast this was. And for more information on birth control options available at MIT Medical, please visit our website at medical.mit.edu. That concludes this episode of Conversations with MIT Medical. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other MIT Medical Podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole.